Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning. Good morning, beloved family. How are you? I pray that you're well. It's good, 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 good to be with you. Always good to be with you live, and we intend to be with you Monday through Friday live, but it cannot always be. Uh, sometimes we're traveling and we need to pre-record a program. Sometimes we're sick, uh, and sometimes there are other things that we cannot control. So um, God bless you. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here with you. And um, I wish you a most blessed feast of the Transfiguration today. It's a second-class feast. It's a wonderful day. It's a wonderful feast. Our Lord gave us a, uh, in his words, or the words of St. Peter, a foretaste of glory divine. The feast of the Transfiguration um, is, um, well, not the feast, but the Transfiguration itself um, is written of in Matthew chapter 17, St. Matthew chapter 17. And I'm going to read that scripture just as an introduction to us. Um, and it says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, those three, those, those cl- closest to our Lord, Peter, James, and John, and led them to a high mountain apart. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his garments became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is well that we are here. If you wish, I will make three booths here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, lo, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son. Rather, it probably said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were filled with awe. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And the disciples asked him, Then why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? In other words, Elijah must come before the Son of Man, before the Son of God, before the Messiah. He replied, Elijah does come and is to restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not know him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man will suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them, of John the Baptist. There's so much here, beloved, and I have um, found a, uh, a sermon by St. Augustine uh, of Hippo in the fourth century. 
Uh, he lived before 354 and 430, and I'm going to read that to us. St. Augustine is simply um, one of my favorite and, and one of the church's favorite. He's a doctor of the church and uh, was uh, dramatically converted through the faithful prayers of his mother, St. Monica. For 30 years she prayed and suffered for him, and God converted him, and he spent the rest of his life spreading the gospel, teaching the faith, and uh, seeking to convert souls. And he said this, The Lord Jesus himself shone as bright as the sun. His garment became white as snow, and Moses and Elijah talked with him. Jesus himself indeed shone as the sun, signifying that he is the true light that enlightens every man come into the world. What the sun is to the eyes of the flesh, so he is to the eyes of the heart. What the sun, S-U-N, is to the to the uh, eyes of the flesh, S-U-N, so is Christ to the eyes of the heart. And what that is to the flesh of men, so he is Christ to their hearts. Peter sees this, and as a man savoring the things of men, says, Lord, it is good for us to be here. He had been wearied with the multitude. He had now found the mountain's solitude. There he had Christ, the bread of the soul. What, should he depart once again to labor and suffering now that he had a holy love for God and a holy way of life? He wished well for himself, so he added, If you wish, I will make three booths here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. To this the Lord made no answer. Nevertheless, Peter received an answer. He was still speaking when, lo, a bright cloud overshadowed them. He wanted three tabernacles. The heavenly answer showed him that we have one which human judgment desired to divide. Christ, the word of God, the word of God in the law, the word in the prophets. Why, Peter, do you seek to divide them? The word of God in the law is Moses. The word of God in the prophets is Elijah. Why, Peter, do you seek to divide them? It is, is it not more fitting for you to join them? You seek three, understand that they are one. As the cloud overshadowed them, and in a way made one tabernacle for them, a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son. Moses was there. Elijah was there. Yet it was not said, These are my beloved sons. For the only son, S-O-N, capital S, is one thing, adopted sons, another. He was singled out in whom the law and the prophets glorified. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Because you have heard him in the prophets, and you have heard him in the law. And where have you not heard him? When they heard this, they fell to the earth. See then, See then in the church is exhibited to us the kingdom of God. Here is the Lord, the Lord, here the law and the prophets. 
but the Lord as the Lord. The law in Moses, prophecy in Elias, but they are servants and ministers. They are vessels. He, Christ, is the fountain. Moses and the prophets spoke and wrote, but when they poured out, they were filled with him, with the Lord Christ. But the Lord stretched out his hand and raised them as they lay. And then they saw no one but Jesus only. What does this mean? When the apostle was read, you heard, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. And tongues shall cease. When that which we now hope for and believe shall come, when they fell to the earth, they signified that we die. For it was said to the flesh, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. But when the Lord raised them up, he signified the resurrection. After the resurrection, what is the law to you? What is prophecy? Therefore neither Moses or Elias is seen. Only he remains for you. He who in the beginning, he who in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, he remains for you that God may be all in all. Moses will be there, but now no more the law. We shall see Elijah there, too, but now no more the prophet, for the law and the prophets have only given witness to Christ that it befit him to suffer and to rise again from the dead on the third day and to enter into his glory. Uh, beloved, I, I think um, um, I, I, I think that uh, we could take a lifetime to try to understand that, um, to try to understand um, the Transfiguration. I per- personally, I can read, I understand English, but um, uh, I don't quite how could I, how could we ever understand that? But we know that, um, that our Lord showed him, uh, uh, his glorified, a a preview of his glorified body. Um, I want to, uh, I want to read you something else. Let me just get to it. Hold on just a moment. My computer is not, um, and let me just say that, um, um, uh, we are t- going to take your calls today and your emails and your texts, so feel free to call in at one 5483 5483 and um, you can email as well at mother at directly uh, right after this break. So call in with anything on your heart. Our lines are wide open, and we'll be right back.
Hi, this is Jim Roy, president of the Station of the Cross. In John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Our 2020 Fall Appeal is dedicated to helping people know and understand our Lord's commandments. We hope you can help us today. You may soon receive a mailing that will tell you more about the appeal and the great gifts that you can receive. Please help us get off to a fantastic start by returning the envelope from one of our mailings. Or if possible, help us right now by calling 1-877-711-8500 or go to thestationofthecross.com or by using the donation page from your iCatholic Radio mobile app. Our website and app can also be a great way to view our Fall Appeal gifts. Your generosity will help countless people know and follow God's commandments. Thank you, and God bless you and your families. Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful, full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSight in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at faithfulinsight.com. And may God bless you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, uh, to Mother Miriam Live. And um, I mentioned that uh, rather than wait until the um, um, till the break, till the second break, uh, because we've had to do a couple of reruns, um, I'm going to take your calls as soon as you call in. So go ahead and call in with anything on your heart at one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three. You can email as well at mother at the station of the cross dot com. Um, today is the magnificent feast of the Transfiguration, when Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to the top of what we know today as Mount Tabor, and he was transfigured, and he shone as the sun. It was a, a, um, a preview of his glorified body, and a very, very, um, very, very important, in fact, uh, the um, uh, John Paul II, when he incorporated the fourth, uh, the luminous mysteries into the rosary, um, had the fourth luminous mystery as the transfiguration. So that's today, a Thursday. If you pray the uh, luminous mysteries as well, that'll be the fourth luminous mystery today. It's truly glorious. And Jimmy Aiken, who's a master at this, 
has often taken all the major feast days and he's broken them down to eight or nine or ten things that are that are crucial to know and so here he has as well he this was published last year in the national catholic register 10 things you need to know about jesus's transfiguration what happened at the mysterious event and what did it mean i'm going to sneeze excuse me (coughs) pardon me my cold is going but it's taking its time um And Jimmy begins, the transfiguration of our Lord is hard to understand. Why did it happen? What did it mean? And here are 10 things you need to know. Number one, what does the word transfiguration mean? And he writes, the word transfiguration comes from the Latin roots trans, which is a cross, and figura, which means form or shape. It thus signifies a change of form or appearance. This is what happened to Jesus in the event known as the Transfiguration. His appearance changed and became glorious. Before looking at the Transfiguration itself, it is important that we look at what happened immediately before in Luke's Gospel, which I'm glad Jimmy's filling in because it says after six days, well, what happened before uh, the six days? Right before the transfiguration, in Luke chapter 9, at the end of a speech to the 12 apostles, Jesus adds, um, uh, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. And Jesus adds this enigmatically, um, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. And this statement, Jimmy says, has often been taken as a prophecy that the end of the world would occur before the first generation of Christians died out. But that's not the case. (laughs) Jimmy says the phrase kingdom of God can also refer to other things, though including the church, the outward expression of God's invisible kingdom all right and the church is that the outward expression of god's invisible kingdom though it is a city set on a hill the kingdom is embodied in christ himself and thus might be might be seen if christ were to manifest it in an unusual way even in his own earthly life did such a manifestation occur Number three, did such a manifestation occur? And Jimmy says, yes. And it is the very next thing that Luke relates, which is the transfiguration. Pope Benedict, Pope Emeritus Benedict, states that it has been convincingly argued that the placing of this saying immediately before the transfiguration clearly relates to this event. Some, that is to say the three disciples, who accompany Jesus up the mountain, are promised that they will personally witness the coming of the kingdom of God in power. This is quoting yet Pope Emeritus St. Benedict. Uh, Well, Pope Emeritus Benedict, I just canonized him. On the mountain, the three of them see the glory of God's kingdom shining out of Jesus. On the mountain, they are overshadowed by God's holy cloud. On the mountain... In the conversation of the transfigured Jesus with the law and the prophets, they realize 
that the true Feast of Tabernacles has come. The Feast of Tabernacles, beloved, in the Old Testament uh, was that feast where the males were required to go to Jerusalem. It was the Feast of Weeks uh, in Hebrew, Shavuot, and also in Greek, Pentecost. And it was on the Feast of Tabernacles, Shavuot, Pentecost, that um, the people would bring their first fruits uh, to the Lord. Um, and on the mountain, they learned that Jesus himself is the living Torah, the living Torah. He's the giver of the law, and he is the living law, the complete word of God. On the mountain, said Pope Emeritus Benedict, they see the power, the dynamis, the power of the kingdom that is coming in Christ. Back to Jimmy now. We, we thus have the key to understanding Jesus' mysterious statement just before the transfiguration. He was not talking about the end of the world. He was talking about this. In fact, Luke notes that the transfiguration took place about eight days after these sayings. Now, Matthew said six days, but Matthew says about eight days, thus stressing its proximity to them and suggesting um, that it was the fulfillment of this saying concerning the fact that some of them would see the kingdom of God. Mark, St. Mark, uh, gives a different number of days, saying it was after six days, as does Matthew. But both of these approximate a week. Number four, who witnessed the transfiguration? The three who are privileged to witness the event are Peter, James, and John, the three core disciples. Andrew either was not there or not included. The fact that Jesus only allowed three of his disciples to witness the event may have sparked the discussion which swiftly ensued about which of the disciples was the greatest in Luke chapter 9. Number five, where did the transfiguration take place? Luke states that Jesus took the three on the mountain to pray. This mountain is often thought to be Mount Tabor in Israel, but none of the Gospels identify it precisely. Why um, did the transfiguration take place? And the Catechism explains that Christ's transfiguration aims at strengthening the apostles' faith in anticipation of his passion. I'll read that again. Christ's transfiguration aims at strengthening the apostles' faith in anticipation of his passion. The ascent onto the high mountain prepares for the ascent to Calvary. And the Catechism further says Christ, the head of the church, manifests what his body contains and radiates in the sacrament. Christ, the head of the church, manifests what his body contains and what it radiates in the sacrament. It always did. But on Mount Tabor, um, our Lord um, uh, demonstrated that. I said I would take your calls as soon as you called in, so I'm going to do that. Um, we have a call from Darlene in Indiana. Hi, Darlene. Hi, Mother. It's so wonderful to talk to you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, dear one. Go ahead, sweetie. Um, I 
feel like I had an experience of the transfiguration. Wow. I was at a very, wow. very low place in my faith life. I, my faith was almost gone. And um, I was led in a meditation, mm-hmm. and it was by a very holy nun, and I was being led in this meditation, and all of a sudden I saw this pillar of light, and this pillar of light just floated right up beside me, spoke to me, mm. called me my child, said, you are my beloved child, and as it ended, I was just sure that this would float away and I wouldn't have this experience, but instead it just kind of floated into me. Oh. And from the time on, I have never, I have never had that kind of a low place in my face, mm-hmm. even though there have been trials. I have not of had course. that kind of a low place. My question is, does, um, does that sound like an experience of, the transfiguration. It was very um, life-changing for me. Yes, I, I believe it was real. I believe it was our Lord. I don't know that I particularly connect it with the transfiguration. But, um, uh, but again, our Lord did give um, the, his disciples a preview of his glorified body. And... Um, of course, he came to you in 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 light, so I can understand you're connecting it with the transfiguration. Um, uh, I don't know that I would match it exactly to that. I I personally wouldn't, but I would trust it as an enormous measure of love and gift to you from our Lord, and not and not ever doubt it, not ever doubt it. Um, uh, again, the disciples uh, couldn't even touch Jesus at that point. So I, I, I cannot tell you uh, any connection to the transfiguration. I'm not discouraging you on that, but I would just say uh, trust what it was, and it was our Lord coming to you, and, and bless his name, how personal he is with us. Go ahead. The connection, that I, the connection I have made with the transfiguration has been that it seemed that the disciples may have been at a kind of low place since Jesus had just told them that they were going to have to suffer. That's right. That, That's that, right. Mm-hmm. That was a big encouragement to them. And so I was thinking, I guess I've always, I have kind of connected it that way because I couldn't imagine a greater encouragement than what I experienced. Well, I and, would uh, say that's good, but only to keep in mind that, um, um, what the disciples experienced was to encourage them because they knew they'd suffer and to give them a glory of a foretaste of vine, uh, a taste of a glory yeah. divine uh, would be an enormous encouragement to them. But you had an even better one because this was prior to our Lord's death and resurrection and he gave them a glimpse of the future but you had the real thing, you know. Um, oh, he has died, and he has risen, and he is glorified, and he came to you. I think it's extremely beautiful. Thank you. Great God. Uh, thank you, Darlene. God bless you, dear one. There's the music for our first break, beloved. Please feel free to call in with anything on your heart. I will take your calls as you call in. Uh, Toll free, one 511 
5483 We'll be right back. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is at a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as The Catholic Current. Father Robert McTagg discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved um, to Mother Miriam Live, and I know we have another caller on the line, and I, I want to emphasize that even though it's before our half hour, um, if you call in, I will take your calls as you call in. And we have a call from Laura in Rochester. Hi, Laura. Hi, Mother Miriam. I love your program, um, and my question is, is it time for us to ask our priests and bishops, or maybe it's even past time, to Start having prayer services uh, during the week. Like, like remember 9-11, there were prayer services after the tragedy. Mm-hmm. And I think there are so many tragedies happening across America. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would hope that, I, that we would have uh, prayer services, perhaps benediction maybe in the middle of the week, some evening when people are working. Do you think, would it not be a good idea to, to have this sort of practice? Laura, I'm with you. Of course, it would be a good idea. Um, Yes, it would be a good idea, but, you know, we're trying to um, help churches be open for Mass at all. There are still churches that will not open. 
still bishops that will not allow churches to open, um, still governors that are dictating that, and, and bishops are uh, obeying them even though uh, they don't have to. We're, we are not subject to, to a governor. But um, so to begin with, um, but yes, I think it would be a wonderful thing to uh, have prayer services. And again, during the COVID-19, you know, we'd have to have, you know, uh, the same restrictions as for mass. Uh, um, but again, you know, I think even 50% attendance is good. I know in some places it's been restricted beyond that. But... Um, um, yes, our churches are open. They're open and they're they're limited, but you know, but they are open. Yeah, and there is I a think. little uh, an old church by the harbor in Rochester. Mm-hmm. Every Wednesday afternoon, all afternoon, they have adoration. They have Jesus is on the Beautiful. altar in the Still? monstrance Good. all afternoon. Good. And, Good. I uh, think so everyone it, in Rochester, you need to know that, and everybody you need who to is know nearby. That yeah. You, mm-hmm. Go ahead, Laura. So anyway, that was what I wanted to talk about. I agree. This is a time uh, to gather, and and we need to pray not just for the situation in our country and in the church with the virus, but we need to pray for the people in Beirut, uh, Lebanon. As you know, two days ago, I think everybody knows by now, they had an incredible um, explosion that mimicked a four-point-something earthquake and shattered buildings over 100 people have died over 5000 are injured they're still looking for bodies and it's um, yes. it's really a tragic situation and and um i know president trump has uh, vowed his support our support uh, from america on that situation so i agree i agree we should have prayer services uh, no less than once a week i do agree we should come to the church and pray but at least beloved Go to your churches, even if we don't have to have a prayer service. I mean, if we do, that's a wonderful thing when the body of Christ comes together. But anybody can go into an open church at any time and adore Christ in the Blessed Sacrament, whether or not he's exposed. Right, Laura? Yes, we have open. Ch- we have some open churches here during the daytime. Right. Excellent. And that I we think we should that. all be doing that. I think we should all be doing that as often as we can, Laura. I appreciate your, uh, your encouragement on that. Thanks for your call, dear one. Thank you. Okay. We have another Laura on the line uh, from California. Hi, Laura. Hi, Mother. Thank you so much for taking my phone call. Sure, um, sweetie. Uh, I have um, a daughter. Uh, she's like uh, nine, almost 19, mm-hmm. 18 and a half. Uh, she's going to college next week. Um, she went to Catholic school and she was very prayerful and uh, we were fine there. As soon as she turned 18, she started uh, feeling like she was an adult and she started uh, trying to confront me some with ideas and um and because I'm very, uh, very faithful and I go to church a lot, she sees me praying. So she started, uh, like, trying to walk a little bit away from me mm-hmm. on that decision. Um, I kept uh, follow, uh, bring him back, but then she, she went, she went to a group of friends, not very good ones, and now she, I feel like she's going away from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I tried to bring her back, but now 
Uh, she feels that uh, she's every time I I say something, she's oh you are always uh, lecturing me, and she stops listening. Mm-hmm. I um, how far I can push that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, t- give- you tell your daughter that the commandment to obey and honor your father and mother, it doesn't say until you're 18. Does she still live yes, in the house with you? Yes, she, she, um, she, she's just leaving next week. Oh, she's um, leaving to be on her own next week? Well, not to college. Uh, oh, she's leaving and she's going to live at college? No, she's going. She's going to leave um, my house to go to live uh, in the campus in college. In okay, she'll live in the campus in college. What college is she going to? ASU, and I'm a little scared because I heard that it's uh, liberal there. Like, <laughs> what is the college? Um, Arizona State uh, University. All right, sure, it's going to be liberal. To of course, it is. Yeah. Yes, so I'm so scared yeah. about that. Yeah, I know. Where did she go to high school? She went to uh, um, Santa Margarita Catholic School here in, in California. Was it a good Catholic school? Um, not that. I, it, uh, it's, a good, it's good, but uh, not as good as I thought. Because right. I and, started in a Catholic school, and they right. were totally different. You're right. And where did she go to public school? Beaver. <laughs> Excuse me? Where did she go to public school? Uh, elementary. She, elementary, she went to just a state school, state school here in okay. Lake Forest. That's the situation you have reaped, uh, Laura. If we send our children to public schools, and I, uh, in most cases... It is better to send your child to a public school than a bad Catholic school because then they they leave a poor Catholic school and they they think they're leaving the Catholic Church and they never knew what the Catholic Church was. They've gotten a bad representation of it and maybe they should leave what they've been taught, but they're not leaving what is truly Catholic. So that's why, dearest, I've been begging parents to homeschool at any cost to homeschool your children and stop turning them over to the world. It'll have to be an extremely um, rare Catholic school that you can send your children to. And they do exist. Numbers of them exist. But you need to know every book your child will be reading, every course she'll be being taught, all of that. No sex ed, because that's not the school's responsibility. And if you just simply turn your children over to um, public schools or bad Catholic schools, um, this is the fruit of that, Laura. This is the fruit of that, and it, it shouldn't be a surprise, dear one. Um, so, what, what... Go ahead. Yeah, I, I didn't have the... the Unfortunately, I didn't have the support from my husband, so I couldn't do much. But well, now I not, feel responsible. Yeah. Oh, well, yes, yes. And now I don't know what you mean when you did, couldn't do much because you didn't have the support from your husband. I just say that because um, uh, there are many families where the mother does not have the support from the husband uh, in this. What, I don't know, unless the husband forbids homeschooling, which he has no right to do, but I know in cases he does, 
um, even in the case where a husband would forbid it, um, you still have the the parents still has the uh, the stewardship from God to teach their children when they come home from school to sit down with them and spend a few hours in the evening going over the faith, going over what they learn in school. And so, Laura, I don't blame you. I don't, I don't uh, fully, of course, can't, cannot know your situation. But um, uh, I just want to say this is the fruit of parents who love the church, who are truly Catholic, but who uh, let their children go in different ways. Um, she should never ever be allowed to talk back to you at home she would never have the choice of not listening when you speak with her again uh, that's part of homeschooling so what you can do now um, is is, uh, treat her as an adult and don't lecture her but sit down and have intelligent conversations with her so she's going off to school say, sweetheart, I know you have lost your faith. I don't know how much you've ever had of the Catholic faith, but I know you don't have it now. Would you, um, would you take this Bible with you to school uh, as my gift? And I would love you to read it. You may not, but you'll have it there if, if you ever want to pick it up and read it. It's God's love letter to you. Not my letter, but God's love letter to you. And see if you can at least send her off to college with a Bible and then just pray for her. And when she comes home for breaks or Christmas, whatever it is, s- sit down and say, Laura, how's school going? What are you learning? What do you believe? And don't argue with her. Just say... Um, just bring her the truths of God against the falsehoods that she will learn. The best way you can. You don't have to be a theologian, but um, the best way you can. And you can study your faith more in the interim to help um, discuss things with her. So um, what do you think about all that? I don't think you can do much else but pray and sacrifice for her. Yes, Mother, I think I, it, it sounds like, a, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it. And I don't be discouraged. Um, mm-hmm. You hope, just hope, um, yeah. My that prayers you... and my sacrifices will turn her back. Well, your prayers and sacrifices will be heard. They will not be wasted, whether they turn her back right away or 20 years from now. They will not, they will not be wasted. But I would sit down with her and say, Um, to your daughter, sweetheart, you're not a child anymore. I know that. I cannot force you to believe. I never could. But I apologize to you for sending you to schools that were poor and for the struggle we had at home in not really living fully our faith or teaching you the faith. Um, And what I ask when you go off to college uh, is uh, that you'll be totally out of a Christian atmosphere um, to try to find one good moral friend uh, that where you can support one another in what is in what you do believe is right, um, and then and and use the mind that God has given you to reason. Okay, do the best you can. Yes. Pray to Our Lady, and she will help you. Yes, Mother. Thank All you. right. We'll do it. Okay. I know it's a suffering. I know it's a suffering, sweetheart. But it's the fruit of 
uh, how children are raised. You could raise a good child and she could still leave the faith. You're not in charge of her heart. I know that. But um, as parents, I want to beg you all, uh, we cannot go back in time, but we can pray and God will accept our prayers and our sufferings. Okay, God bless you, dear one. We have Thank Mary you, on the line. You're welcome, sweetheart. Mary, uh, if you can hold on till after the break, we'll take your call right after the break. And in the um, interim, anybody can call in with anything on their heart. Uh, toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We'll be right back. This is Jim Roy, president of the Station of the Cross. In John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Our 2020 Fall Appeal is dedicated to helping people know and understand our Lord's commandments. We hope you can help us today. You may soon receive a mailing that will tell you more about the appeal and the great gifts that you can receive. Please help us get off to a fantastic start by returning the envelope from one of our mailings. Or if possible, help us right now by calling 1-877-711-8500 or go to thestationofthecross.com or by using the donation page from your iCatholic Radio mobile app. Our website and app can also be a great way to view our Fall Appeal gifts. Your generosity will help countless people know and follow God's commandments. Thank you and God bless you and your families. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the Internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We have, uh, oh, a little more than 10 minutes, and you are welcome to call in. Our lines are wide open if you wish to call at one 511 5483 or email at mother at We have Mary on the line. Hi, Mary. Oh, dear. Mary, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Yes, yes. Go ahead, sweetie. Thank you. Thank you for being there and all you do. Thank Uh, you. I had a question. Um, You know, I think about Moses. When he died, he couldn't go into the Holy Land. Right. And uh, I'm wondering if when he appeared on Mount Tamer, Tabor for the Transfiguration, was that the first time he was in the Holy Land? Oh, what a great question. Uh, perhaps, because God, <laughs> see, nobody knows God buried Moses. He was not allowed to go into the Holy Land because of his, of his sin, striking the mountain a second time when God had not asked him to. Um, and so he was not allowed, but, um, but it, we don't know. God himself buried Moses, and we don't know where God buried Moses. Um, <laughs> but that's a that's a great thought, that it may have been his first visit to the Holy Land. That's a great thought. <laughs> I like that. Because the, the apostles did see him. Like, it wasn't like a spirit or a vision. No, it was him. It was him, the you same as Elijah. You were going to build yep. a tent for him, right? That's, that's right. <laughs> a tabernacle, a tent, the same word, yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. So, no, he was he was there fully. He was there. Um, so, you're right. It may have been his first time in the Holy Land. <laughs> you, you're oh, right. My, that's beautiful. But that's do you think they really buried him? Because didn't Elijah go up in a cart to heaven? That's right. Elijah and Enoch, both of them. Enoch, uh, Enoch, uh, Genesis chapter 5 says Enoch, and and Hebrews chapter 11 says uh, Enoch walked with God because he pleased God, and God simply took him. And um, he he never died, and neither did Elijah, who went up, as you said, in the chariot, which is why at uh, the end times, both right. Enoch and Elijah will return. They had, they had not died, but, um, but Moses did, and um, uh, God buried him. He did die, so this was a resurrection of a sort. I know, but I thought, gee, wouldn't people have found where he buried and make it a holy place like that's that's right that's right and that's why uh, that's one of the uh, proofs uh but you know at that point um you know Moses uh let's see now um uh, that's about 1500 years uh, before Christ and uh, I don't know that what they would have done at that point. You know, right. Elijah, uh, Joshua and Caleb led them into the Holy Land, and uh, apparently uh, his grave was never found. So uh, that's what God determined. That's what God determined but, again. You know, I wonder if he appeared in body on Mount Tape, maybe his whole body went to heaven. You know, because Elijah's body, you know, they didn't bury well, no, you see, after the resurrection, um, well, we don't know that. We don't know that. Um, uh, we don't know. We haven't been told that. I heard a priest said one time, when you get to heaven, you won't have all these questions 
because you'll receive a gift of knowledge. For John wrote in First John chapter 3, we'll know as we are known. Oh, and good, so good, good. we still won't know what God knows, but we'll know a lot. And I think we'll see Moses, full body, oh, full resurrected body. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, and thank you for all you do. And I'm, I'm the, the mom that my daughter-in-law is Jewish, but more Christian than Jewish. Oh, she I remember me. that, Mary, yes. You tell her oh, that she might be more Christian than Jewish, but she needs to be fully Jewish, which will be to be Catholic. Yeah, that's what I pray for, the yeah, conversion. Of course. I want her and the two children to be baptized. Yeah, absolutely. Did you ever give her, uh, honey, uh, rather... Um, I wrote it down, but I didn't get the book yet. But I okay. will. I just don't want her to think I'm insulting her, you know. Well, you know what? Then you just say those words to her. And yeah. for your birthday, for your birthday, say, okay. honey, I have a gift that I'd love you to give me for my birthday. And I know it's a lot of chutzpah on my part to ask you for a certain gift. And the last thing in the world I want to do is offend you or insult you. But I have... She's wonderful. I know she's wonderful. I know. But say to her... Um, I don't want to offend you for the world. You're my daughter. I love you. Uh, I know you don't believe what I believe. Uh, and nobody could ever force you. But... I have a book here of 16 Jewish people, some Orthodox, some atheists, all, all walks of life, who, who came to believe that to be Catholic is to be the most Jewish you could be, not the rejection of Judaism, but indeed its fulfillment because they believe that Jesus is truly the Messiah. I know you don't believe that. I know you don't want to study it on your own, but as a gift for my birthday, I'm not giving you this book. I'm just going to loan it to you. Would you read it and give it back to me and just tell me what you think? Oh, that sounds good. And my birthday's on the Feast of the Archangels. St. Michael, Raphael, and Saint, October? Uh, uh, no, September 29th. Oh, oh, no, I'm thinking October 29th. That's perfect. Okay, that's what you're going to do. So get the book and don't give it to her uh, because it's your book and you want it back. It'll make it a little more valuable to her. Uh, but say, would you would you read this and give it back to me? What's that? Very nice if she would consider like to read it, you know. Well, tell her it would be a gift for my birthday if you would do that. Good. Good. Tell that's her that. And if good. she says, Mom, I, I I love you, but I don't want to say that's not a problem. If you change your mind at Christmas, I'll give it to you then. Okay? <laughs> right. <laughs> or, or not Christmas or Hanukkah, whatever she celebrates. Okay. I know we don't have too much time, but someday I should, I want to share a conversation I had with her father. When we were at dinner at their house, they had invited us over for Thanksgiving. Mm. Okay. And they're a practicing Jewish family? Yes. And, and, they, and, to me. and, and I hu- don't know if we have time to tell you a quick conversation. But um, he asked me why ahead. I'm always so happy, what's more important to me, life or death. And I said, Howard, death to me isn't the end. It's the beginning of forever. There you go. There you go. 
they don't believe in life after death. Well, they do. So they do. Jews do that. believe in that. Uh, Jews do believe in life after death. They just don't know they believe that. Because right. the, if you meet some Orthodox Jews, they'll tell you about that. And but I these, think how if they have no vision, you know. Yeah, I know. I know. He just doesn't fully know his own faith. Yeah. Um, but we had quite a conversation, but I don't know if we have time for me well, we have about um, we have less than a minute left to the program. If you want to get something in in less than a minute, you can. Well, uh, quickly, I tried to explain our religion, you know, our circle of prayer, the militant church, and then we pray for the suffering church and the triumphant church and how they pray for us. And I told them when my mother died, I was only 10, and the nuns had taught us a prayer Pray for the poor suffering souls in purgatory because nobody say poor because people don't pray for the ones who've never been prayed for. Mm -hmm. So I told him I promised God I would do that every night till I fell asleep. But I want to know if my mother's happy. And then he showed me a picture after four nights, maybe. I had a dream and my mother looked so beautiful and wow. a smile like I never saw on earth. And then Howard said, well, you probably had a picture in your mind. It came up in your dream. And I said, no, Howard. I never saw her like that. Right. I know. Uh, Mary, I love you. And it's a wonderful story. Don't stop being a witness to them. But there's the end of our program. We'll speak with you all tomorrow.